to the Bully Girl Podcast. It's the one and only Dr. Taylor here, bringing some of the hottest discussion topics to the bully community right to your ears. This is episode six of the BGM Podcast and is sponsored by Snubbies. I have some very special guests here with me today by the names of Sarah and Omar uh, Kiros. They are the owners of Underground Bully Kennels straight out of Atlanta, Georgia. I just wanted to welcome the both of you to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor yeah. to be here. Great. So thank you all so much for joining. Um, it's definitely an honor to have the both of you here, especially, you know, hearing so much about your kennel, seeing you guys at shows, watching your children become like some of the best junior handlers I've ever seen and just watching like everything about your program grow um, and move forward and stuff. So the viewers may know you guys uh, based on like the XL breeds that you have. Uh, I just want you to take the time and the opportunity out to tell us a little bit about your kennel. Um, how did it all begin? Well, it all started with a pit bull, like I think most of them, you know. We got a, pretty much got a pit bull off of Craigslist, went and picked her up. And then when she came about time to, to breed, I was like, you know, I want to see what we can do. And then after I, we did a lot of the investigating, seeing, okay, if we breed her, how we'll be able to re um, register the litter and looking deep into it, you cannot register a non-registered dog. And so pretty much from there, it's like, hmm, let's see what we can make happen. And then we started, well, we started looking at uh, different dogs on the internet, trying to buy one. And we ended up coming with one. We bought one. His name was Klaus. Uh, we came, we got really attached with him within a week. And it's a lot when you don't know exactly what you're doing when you get into it. And so our dog ended up passing away due to a parasite. And so pretty much we got spooky to fill in the hole, which is something that a lot of people really got to look into when you get a dog. We didn't really take him to the vet as soon as we got him. We got him on a Friday. Sadly, he passed away the following Friday due to a parasite. And uh, pretty much that's what helped us initiate basically one of the foundations or the backbones that made us do what we do. Like we didn't want anybody else to go get attached to an animal and then get saddened because something happened because negligence of the breeder. And so eh, it's a little tough subject because like I said, we, we fell in love with him. He was awesome. Like due to his passing, my son, it was just mental because my son would always call me at work. I would leave the house three, four o'clock in the morning and my son would call me six, seven o'clock. Hey dad, um, where's my puppy? I miss my puppy. And like I said, yeah. that's something I wish nobody has to go through. Well, I mean, we learned the hard way, you know what I mean? Like you live and you learn. And uh, that's how we got spooky pretty much. And yeah. he has been an amazing, he has been an amazing companion. I cannot complain. <laughs> okay, and that was spooky that you had on camera just now. Yes, ma'am. Big old head. Yeah. <laughs> All right. He is a beautiful dog. Thank you. All right. So how many dogs do you currently have in the kennel now? Seven. Seven. Okay. 
and then so you you have uh, I believe we discussed one time uh, about you having a pocket and then you also have the XLs. So how many pockets do you have and how many XLs? One pocket and registered wise we have four XLs, but in total, even counting our pit and her daughter, their their XL height. So the only small dog that we have is our pocket. Okay. Okay. Um, so as a kennel and the two of you working extremely close together and you both have like the same visions and, and goals and everything when it comes to breeding and handling and everything. Um, what, what are your, some of your visions when it comes to breeding with pockets and then also breeding with XLs? So, um, we, so Spooky was supposed to be a pocket. Um, that's what we thought we were getting. And um, he turned out to be, you know, badass XL. Um, so as time has moved forward from us, you know, going to shows, meeting other breeders, um, doing a lot of research, um, we have kind of came to an agreement between ourselves that um, we're not going to stick with breeding pockets. Okay. Um, you know, I, like I just said, a majority of the dogs that we have are XLs. So um, Titan, we go to confirm we, um, if she has babies on June 10th. Um, we took her to Venom Lines King V. And um, if she does confirm and have babies, uh, we have came to the conclusion that we're not going to keep any on our yard. We may co-own one, okay. but um, we have pretty much just um, expanded our vision for our kennel to just be excels. Yeah. And so um, if she does have babies, she will be spayed after that. And she is my dog. She's my companion dog, my emotional support dog. That's, that's my baby. And so I have no problem whatsoever spaying her. And she will house pet for life. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So I know that the both of you are really big in the show ring. I love watching you work. Like I said earlier, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what influenced you to actually step into the show ring? Because, you know, a lot of people actually go out to shows and they are super nervous. They don't want to uh, try to handle the dog themselves. But I see the both of you and then two of your children out there just handling like pros. Well, see, so what, influenced what really influenced us is that um, I started taking a lot of pictures of Spooky, and everybody started telling me, was like, oh, you got a pretty dog, you got a pretty dog. Well, see, I was diagnosed with cancer two years ago, and mm -hmm. right before, literally a week before I went into surgery, I was like, there's a show down here in McDonough. It was an ABKC show, my first show ever. I was so excited to go. Like, I was excited to be at a show finally for once, and that's when I showed up with Spooky. I walked up to the registration table. I was like, you know, I would like to measure the height of my pocket. Like I said, we didn't know exactly what we was getting ourselves into. <laughs> and when we go walking, I, me, it was uh, me and Spooky. My mother-in-law ended up giving us a ride there. And I walk up to the table and I was like, you know, I like to measure my dog. I like to measure my pocket. She was like, um, sweetie, that's no pocket. Look at his head. He's as big as the table. You got to excel. And as soon as they told me that, I sent a message to my wife. I was like, babe, apparently Spooky's an XL. My wife's like, extra large? What the hell is an XL? <laughs> oh, right. And so 
like I say, he came into second place, his first show ever. And so that wow. pretty much just gave me the fire. Like, okay, this was probably our second, um, our first show. So we got to make something out of this. And you came into second place. And That's so good. YouTube and Google, uh, I cannot, I cannot sponsor them enough, I guess. That's why <laughs> I did all my research. I didn't pay no trainer. I just really just sat down and just self-taught myself. Like I said, YouTube. Wow. I watched a lot of YouTube, a lot of um, UKC shows is what really helped me get to where we are now. And it's crazy That's because, cute. like I said, it was a, it was more like my personal thing, but mm -hmm. something that I chose personally ended up turning into a family organization, basically. Like, I was able to bring yeah. everybody together. Yeah. How old was Spooky when you when you first showed him? He was about to be a 11. year. 11. 11 months. Oh, wow. That's that's great. And then for him to be so young, and then they're like, nah, that's that's definitely an exit. Yeah. And then coming in second place, and you said it was ABKC? Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's, that's a... That's huge. <laughs> and so, hey, that's enough motivation for me. I'd have I'd be out there every weekend trying to get my dog in shows. Well, see, um, now that we know the extremity of ABKC and um that honestly um ABKC there I mean there is a lot of controversy about, you know, which um registry you should really start in, but for an American bully, you should want to, you know, ABKC is a big thing. And so for him to have, um, you know, titles and, you know, winnings and ribbons and stuff like that with the ABKC um, kind of just pushed us into, okay, well, let's go see what we can do in this other registry. And so now, you know, he's a four-time champion mm -hmm. um, working his way towards, you know, his grand champion titles. Yeah. Um, so... To bring that up, he only needs, I heard, two more champion wins before he becomes a grand champion. Yes, the with, the, with the ICBR. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Um, so what are your current goals as handlers and breeders? Do y'all have, like, I know, of course, having him earn his, his grand champion title or titles um, based on the registries and stuff. Do y'all also show um, other dogs that are in your kennel as well? Yes. Um, so his son, which is uh, one of our productions, he is 35 points and one competition went away from being a champion with the UKC. Oh, wow. Um, we also have another XL female. She is pointed with the ICBR. Um, and then we have our five and a half month old puppy who is going to hopefully make her debut very soon. And um, I plan to show her as much as I can. I work with her almost every day and she just, you know, she gets better and better and understanding, you know, what to do, what not to do, how to gate correctly, um, the certain speed, stuff like that. Cause you don't want to run her, but you also don't want her, you know, um, just walking, jogging, yeah. jogging. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then she's going to look weird. I see you working a lot. Um, with the dogs practicing and stuff all over Instagram. And I think it's just amazing just to see like your, your progress and, and everything is, it's just, it's fantastic. Um, especially, yeah. especially being a woman, um, and everything. And so 
me, I could never muster up the strength to go out there and show myself. I always had a handler. I'm like, you know what? I can't do this. But I go out there and take pictures all day long. <laughs> Showing the dog. <clears throat> me nor the dog are going to be out there looking crazy. So kudos to the both of y'all for having the courage and everything to get out there, to learn, to continue to learn um, and show your dogs. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that that you bring multiple dogs out to the shows and everything. How do you manage to socialize your dogs? Like from the time they're puppies up until adulthood? Pretty much whenever we started, when I take them to, well, I like taking them a lot to um, the PetSmart. PetSmart, I want to say <laughs> that's it. Um, first off, I like to throw them on there on the scale, go on the scale and then just walk them around the store, have just, People be like, oh, you got a pretty dog. They were like, can I touch him? Uh, at first, I was kind of skeptical. But again, like I said, YouTube, they 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 helped me out a lot. And just socializing them, taking them to different parks, taking them to different stores. Even if we don't go buy anything, which is which is in here for the, for the socialization, you know. We used yeah. to like to take them a lot to dog parks. But it's kind of iffy with the dog parks. Because last time we went to a dog park, everybody came home with kennel cough. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that So that was a that was a no go. Yeah. Um we also um since uh, some of our dogs are already show dogs, um we've actually taken Bahala, which is our puppy, we've taken her to shows just to get her acclimated with, you know, all the different sounds and um I I've put her in the ring, you know, a couple times, not as um being pointed or anything. But just so she she kind of gets the feel of, okay, this is this is what I'm going to be in. This is what it looks like. And, you know, having other dogs in front of her and behind her. And um, I mean, obviously, she she was a little puppy at the time. So her attention span was not there. Yeah. But, um, you know, taking her out um, with our big dogs to shows, even though, you know, we don't show her yet, um, gets her kind of used to the environment yeah. as well. And yeah. taking her to stores and, you know, people petting on her and stuff like that. Because when you're in the ring, you're going to have a random person touching you mm -hmm. all all over. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, to get her kind of used to that, um, all, all of our dogs, you know, have all, always been, you know, um, socialized in any so, some aspect. Whether going to the dog store, going to the feed store, um, going to the park, going for walks, um, go climbing mountains, which we used to do a lot. Um, or just, you know, walking around the neighborhood and, you know, you see, you see uh, the other neighbors and the other dogs and, you know, stuff like that. They get, they get used to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, just every, that like, there's many different aspects of how we try to socialize them and get them acclimated with different sounds, different smells, mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, you know, stuff what like I that. What I like using oh, is, yeah. um, we got a little portable speaker and I like going on YouTube. Like I said, YouTube, they don't pay me, but they help me a lot. But uh, going on okay. there and just putting different sounds, putting it in front of them, different animal sounds. And um, mm -hmm. one of my favorite things is just watching them tilt their head. Like, what is that? Yeah. Like, all like, curious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. That's smart. You know what? I actually haven't heard of a lot of people that do that. Um, I've, I've only seen it in a, like, whenever they're doing <laughs> photography and stuff, but not so much to, <laughs> to help them become acclimated to all these different sounds. And you're right. There's people yelling at these shows. There's people, 
you know, constantly around walking around. There's all these different smells that the dogs are going to smell. And it's very smart to have them out there at an early age. So they're just, like you said, become acclimated with them. They're just like, huh, it's just another day. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about stigmas. So I know that you take the dogs out in public places like stores and things like that. And people approach you about the dog. What are, what are some of the things like the stigmas that um, you hear about the bully breed and how do you manage to prove those um, to be incorrect? So first things first, um, I, nine times out of 10, I'm going to hear, Oh, that's a pit. Yeah. Or, Oh, um, I'm not even going to say that I've had somebody call them a Rottweiler, but like just different um, a majority of the time it's, Oh, you have a pit bull. And, you know, we're very nice about it. And like, no, you know, it's not a pit. It's an American bully. And they're like, oh, well, what's the difference? And um, everybody pretty much associates pit bulls with aggression and being very mean and, um, you know, stuff like that. And so when they see our dogs in, uh, you know, stores or out and about and stuff like that, they're kind of iffy about, you know, hey, is your dog friendly? Can I touch them? You know, stuff like that. And we're like, yeah. You know, our, our, our dogs are super friendly. And um, when it comes to, oh, well, um, you have a nice pit and this and that, and, you know, we're like, no, it's an American bully. And we try to educate about, you know, the difference. Mm -hmm. And um, that a lot of people, they, because the American bully hasn't been out for super long. And so the people that don't know what an American bully is, um, the first thing that comes to mind is a pit. Yeah, absolutely. They associate games dogs instead of more of a companion exactly so you know we try to educate people who any um who you know say anything about oh you have a pit no we have an american bully you know yes we have show dogs dogs are in you know very gentle you know we have kids they're great with kids we have three um the youngest being six and he handles him flawlessly in the ring so <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> little man is a professional he really is Oh, he loves that dog. He does. He loves him so much. <laughs> and so, and the size difference, when I see him and Spooky or any of the, your other dogs, the size difference <laughs> is just, it's just unbelievable. You would think that, oh man, the smallest little thing, that dog is going to jerk that little kid up. Nope. Clyde really goes out there and he jerks those dogs up. Like, no, this is what you need to do. We're going to stack like this. He fixes their legs and their legs is almost as long as him. I'm just like, this little guy is, he's going somewhere when it comes to handling. It's like I told my wife, it's like, at the end of the day, what we do now is no longer for us. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we might have started it, but at the same time, our kids will continue our legacy. You know what I mean? It's not, mm -hmm. at first, like my, my middle one, he, we would ask him like, you know, what you want to be? What do you want to be? And he wasn't really for sure what he wanted to be. And now when people ask him, they're like, you know, what would you like to be when you get older? Oh, I want to be a dog breeder. I want to be a dog breeder like my parents. And like the confidence <laughs> that these little boys give behind their answers is like, I cannot take as much pride. I take a lot of pride behind that. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah. You know, being raised without a father really, really affects somebody mentally, emotionally, and sometimes even physically, you know? So I vowed that my kids will have a way better life than I did. And mm 
mm-hmm. us doing this bully thing has has really exceeded all my expectations that I can really ask for because they have questions and they come and ask me. And they're like, mm-hmm. hey, you know, how can I improve or what am I lacking? And I let them know and whatever little knowledge they get either from myself or from the judge, they apply it. I mean, nobody likes to lose, but at the end of the day, when they when they get their second place, it's like I tell them, but like, look, don't don't take that as a failure. Take that as an experience to learn. Look, do a little mm-hmm. bit better. Practice a little bit more. If you feel like you can improve, improve. Cause like I said, this is gonna boost their confidence. And man, that that little boy Clyde, he takes this with no questions asked. He he loves it. And it, it, it's amazing yeah. to watch him flourish. It's amazing. I love seeing the family dynamic when it comes to the bully community. There are so many families out there. And the children, I've met plenty of children that were just super shy, when, like when they would first come around. And then you would see them more and more at dog shows. And then they'd finally build up the confidence to get out there and start showing. And then they just, they just blossom every single time and i love it it like you said it helps with confidence and all kinds of stuff and then building the relationship also with with you and sarah is fantastic because it's something that y'all can do on the weekends like i bet these kids are going to school telling all their friends what they did over the weekend oh yeah oh yeah yeah we get it from the teachers (laughs) the principals it was like man i heard you guys went to this dog show clyde told me he got this oh and he loves it he loves (laughs) to show it off okay um so I know that your kennel digs pretty deep into health testing and genetics. Um, and I know, Omar, that is your side of things. Um, so do you see more kennels completing these types of tests like within the last year or so? Do you see anyone um, looking deeper into it like you um, do? They're starting to. I can't say when mm-hmm. we officially started, like I said, we, we were pretty much green to everything. And little by little, us starting to do it. And there's actually a good amount of people that actually do genetic testing. A lot of people won't think about, don't think about it like that, but it's like a rabbit hole, you know what I mean? Or a piece of string. You pull Mm -hmm. one, you're going to get other threads and you just continue to pull it. And it's, it's starting to come out. Like a lot of people are starting to do some testing. Not a lot like they should, but they're starting to. You know what I mean? The most yeah. basic test you can at least do with your dog is Embark test. That's the... Embark. It gives you so much. That's the... And there's controversy, I understand, behind it because sometimes the... The makeup of your dog might not be what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. it might categorize different other dogs in the lineage. But at the end of the day, you're not really trying to find out what your dog's made out of. You want to find out if they have any issues like what they can carry or whatnot. Because it tests, I think, for over mm-hmm. 200 um, different variants. Mm-hmm. Which yep. is crazy that sure it can actually test like that off of just a swab. But, I mean, I think that's the at least the the starting one. You know what I mean? Then you got OFA, yeah. then you got Pinhip. Those might be a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. but those are more into depth. Oh yeah. Pinhip. We uh we tested our dogs. It was like seven hundred and fifty dollars yes, per ma'am. dog to do pinhip. But 
But absolutely, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to um, the larger breed dogs, um, pin hip to me is is super important that a lot of people don't really know about. Um, but yeah, and then also with Embark, I I like in the Embark profiles where you can put your dog's picture on there and then you can share it with people. You can put like comments and all kinds of other things in there. And then it gives you a breakdown of what the dog carries, the, the, the genes and stuff like that, and potential issues that you may see in the future. And then also there's been a, a point in time where one of the Embark uh, specialists contacted, um, contacted us about one of the puppies one time and was like, hey, look, this, that, and the third is wrong with this puppy. Um, I need you to do like deeper testing and stuff like in with it. So at that point, you'll know like, okay, well, this is serious. Because um, I think it, it highlights it. Well, it marks it red to where, you know, like this is something that we need to pay attention to a little bit more, especially as breeders. So we don't pass this trade along. So it's, it's great that y'all, y'all dig deep into that because not a lot of breeders are out there um, testing their animals and, and going above and beyond to make sure they're, that their health is right especially as breeders, I think it's really important. So you don't, you know, potentially create like a litter of dogs that have like the the same genetic DNA um, that could potentially have something going on with them. And then you're continuously breeding this dog with the same issues and then it pops up in different litters. And so that's fantastic that you do that. Um, Well, there is something that we just recently learned with Embark. Um, So... I guess on the Embark profile, after um, you link it into your account and stuff like that, when you share it with people, nine times out of 10, um, you think you're sharing the link and they can see everything you see. Um, There is an automatic um, default switch on your profile that basically sets the settings to private. So only you can see their traits and DNA and stuff like that. You have to go in there personally and click public. Um, I recently just found this out because uh, another person that does Embark, she uh, went in there looking at it and she didn't know as well because she sent it to me and I said, I can't see anything. Um, So it's like an automatic thing that I guess not a lot of people know about. So when they're sending their Embark results to other people, um, they can't see anything. Yeah. So, um, that's that. And that's good. That, yeah. Cause not a lot of people know. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely good to know, especially people who aren't, are not used to Embark. It's some people that do not know anything about testing. A breeder can say, Hey, look, I Embark tested my dogs. Here's their profile. And then someone that may not be as educated as other people, they could just be like, okay, well, here's proof that they Embark tested dog. The dog is healthy. Let's move on. Right versus like looking at it right right. and um i mean if you don't know that your settings are set to private and you're just sending out the embark link you're thinking they can see what you see and they can't right right okay all right well um before we wrap up the episode i know it seems so (laughs) short-lived but is there anything that y'all want the audience to know um so we confirmed June 10th whether our three times Joker's Wild um, pocket female will, if she is carrying Venom Lion King V puppies. We also do have an open waiting list as of right now for four time XL champion Spooky as of now with a um, 
with one of our XL females. Uh, she will be bred sometime in the end of the year, probably November, December-ish. Um, so we do have an open waiting list for that. It is growing quickly. Um, so if you are interested in just getting on that list, no money is required. Um, it's basically, I put you on a list. I will let you know when she goes into heat. I will let you know uh, the steps of the process, um, when they tie, if she confirms, due date, et cetera, et cetera. And then after puppies are born, um, we plan to have each one of them embark tested as well. So we know what they carry and also the new owners will know what they carry and potentially what kind of dog they're getting. And um, so if anybody is interested in that, please let us know. Um, and we're just trying to get everything ready to campaign Spooky's Grand Champion run in multiple different registries. Also, awesome. XLBC that. Nationals, August 19th. Be there, be square. It is in High Point, North Carolina. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, well, it looks like y'all going to be pretty busy with litters and stuff dropping too. Um, but hey, y'all, it seems like y'all have everything planned out and going pretty well following your vision and stuff. Um, and kudos to you for everything that you've accomplished so far, especially being uh, kind of new to it, um, doing the embark testing, showing, uh, champing out dogs, about to have grand champion dogs, you know what I mean? Like, you guys have definitely accomplished a lot. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people should definitely network with you and look into your kennel, how you do things, how you're learning, um, your junior handlers and everything. Um, but I want to thank the both of you again for joining the BGM podcast and sharing your knowledge uh, with us this evening. Uh, as a reminder, I want everyone to check out snubbies.com and use code BG20 for 20% off. We'll see you on the next episode of the Bully Girl Podcast. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.